Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, the market for hard-to-find fashion and electronics is heating up, with Gen Z and millennial consumers increasingly valuing self-expression and individuality. And one way for consumers to purchase these rare items is through the secondary market, and in particular through e-commerce platforms. But in a situation where supply is limited and demand is high, how do consumers determine what is the fair price to pay for the items, and if the product they purchased is authentic? Well, that's exactly the. Of our guest for today, StockX. Now founded in 2016 in Detroit, StockX is a global platform for trading and consuming current culture. It provides access to high-demand products like sneakers, shoes, apparel, electronics, and collectibles that are often unavailable at traditional retailers. Now, for one thing, its product catalog consists of over get this 200,000 products from hundreds of brands, including your Jordan brand, Adidas, Nike, and LV. Uh, the marketplace also connects buyers and sellers using dynamic pricing mechanics, just like the stock market. Allowing users to buy and sell their most coveted items at their true market price. Now, all products sold via the platform will also need to be sent to StockX to be verified for their authenticity and quality before payment is released to sellers. Now, so far, the firm said it has facilitated over 50 million lifetime trades, average 30 million visitors to the platform every month in the year of 2023. But which are its top traded and fastest growing brands and how does the firm navigate its relationships with the brands? And in terms of corporate developments, the firm's valuation jumped to 3.8 billion US dollars in April 2021 after it closed a 195 million US dollars secondary tender offer and an additional 60 million US dollars Series E1 primary shares. But how is valuation looking like three years down the road? Any IPO plans for private investors to cash out? Lots of questions. And uh, with me on the line is Greg Schwartz, President and Chief Operating Officer at StockX. Greg, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. Great to have you joining us all the way from Detroit. And I understand, um, Greg, we've briefly talked about StockX as this global platform for consuming current culture. Not only that, you help to ensure price transparency, through dynamic pricing mechanics, stock market, but for sneakers. How does it work in layman terms? Yeah, well, you gave a great overview in that introduction, but in a layman's term, StockX is a global marketplace, which means we're connecting buyers and sellers around the world focused on the categories you mentioned, sneakers, accessories, apparel, electronics. And what we're doing is we're focused on removing a lot of the friction from the buying experience for buyers and unlocking economic opportunity for sellers. And the entire platform was founded based on this idea that we could use stock market mechanics to make it a more efficient process. And when stock market mechanics means transparency of pricing data, means pricing based purely on supply and demand. And how it works is a buyer comes to StockX, they simply search for the product they want, they can buy now or they can place a bid, which is the amount that they'd like to pay for, uh, for that item. And a seller somewhere in the world uh, who has that item in a brand new condition, has the opportunity to sell that item. Um, and when that item is sold at the highest bid price uh, for that item, that item comes to one of our verification centers, which are located throughout America, Europe, Asia. 
and we go through a verification process, a rigorous process, checking for the right size, condition to make sure the buyer is always getting exactly what they intended to buy. Wow. Okay. And consequently, Greg, how would you define three big things for the business? Right. Stock access, value proposition, business model, and positioning within perhaps the digital marketplace industry. Yeah. So our, our value proposition, we are providing, like I said, removing a ton of friction. We're unlocking economic opportunity for sellers. Our, our mission is really to empower people all over the world to trade the products that they love. Um, our business model is a marketplace, so we have a, a transaction fee-based model. Um, so we sit in the middle and we take a small transaction, which enables us to run the business uh, that we run. And we're unique in the digital commerce industry because of the fact that we're not a traditional e-commerce site that would have sort of a wholesale retail pricing model. And we're not a traditional listings-based marketplace, which is what a lot of the incumbents were. We're this unique model that really is most closely aligned to traditional financial exchanges, where when you search for a product, there's a single product page. There's that transparency of data, anonymity, all the tenants that you would traditionally find, not for a consumer goods marketplace, but in traditional financial exchanges. And I think that's what's really unique about us. In the digital marketplace industry, and appreciate if we could get this question sorted early on in the conversation as well to set the stage for our listeners. Greg, what is the current scale of operations for StockX, and where geographical markets are concerned? How many markets are you present in? Which is the most important one where financials are concerned? We're, we're fortunate to now have tremendous global scale. We have customers in two hundred countries and territories around the world over the lifetime of StockX. And we have verification centers throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia. And um, you know, our largest market today is still the market that we began in, which is the United States. But we're really uh, fortunate that we have tremendous supply that comes out of all over the world, specifically the APAC region for us, which I think is relevant for this conversation. It's one of the uh, biggest sources of supply for us. We have tremendous uh, products from incredible brands that come out of the APAC region. We have verification centers located in Hong Kong, in uh, in Japan, and in Korea, and we have drop-off locations where a seller can walk in, drop off an item to be sold on StockX in Hong Kong and in in Japan. And so we do have this global footprint,、uh, but today、uh, U.S. is our largest market. Well,、uh, Greg, I understand you mentioned.、Uh... Asia a number of times, APEC being a supply market. Would you say that APEC or Asia is more of a supply market where you see your sellers coming on board, and the US is where most of the buyers are located? Then, yeah, we have buyers,、uh, like I said, all around the world,、uh, and sellers all around the world. And what we notice is that the trends change depending on where supply and demand imbalances exist.、Uh, if we look at 2023, yes, there was a tremendous amount of supply that came out of the APEC region. And we always see healthy supply coming out of APAC, specifically because there's phenomenal brands.、Uh, Bape is one example. You know, based in APAC, where we see a lot of supply for a brand like Bape coming from the APAC region. It's a top five brand on StockX. So it really supply ebbs and flows depending on where there are different、uh, unique imbalances where brands are putting supply into market. But I'd say pretty consistently, APAC is a strong supply market for us, and we have buyers not just in the U.S. but throughout Europe and Asia as well. Don't mind me asking this, Greg. What is then the role of Asia to your wider business portfolio? Then, yeah, exactly as you said. You know, APAC is really important for us for the supply relationship、uh, we have with sellers、uh, in Asia. It is also a key location for offices and verification centers that we have throughout Hong Kong, 
throughout Japan, throughout Korea. And I think importantly, we're also connecting that APAC supply, not only with buyers in the US, but with self with not only with buyers in the US, but with buyers in APAC in Europe as well. So it's absolutely an important supply uh, location for us, but also a really strong buyer market for us as well. Right. And let's zoom in to look at your operations. Uh, Greg, StockX said it has facilitated over 50 million lifetime trades, average of 30 million visitors to your platform every month in the year of 2023. What numbers are we looking at right now? Yeah, so right now we are still, you know, our operations is really the heart and soul of our of our company. And right now we still are in an environment where every item that's traded on StockX passes through one of these verification centers. I think something that is unique right now to what's going on in our operations center is this past year we launched for the first time what we call flex fulfillment, which allows sellers to move items into our verification centers, what we call an express fulfillment center. We can store that item on a seller's behalf and have it pre-verified and then go out to a buyer in three business days through something called express buy. So you're right, the operation center, operations is at the core of what we do now across uh, you know, massive scale. And it's both sitting in the middle of buyers and sellers, but with 2023 and some of our newest product developments starting to move into this express fulfillment for uh, buyers or express buy experience, we can get product to buyers faster than ever before. Mm, and I'm assuming that number, that 50 million lifetime trades, what are we looking at right now? I suppose it's somewhere even higher, way higher? Yeah, 50 million is the lifetime trade number. So we don't have sort of an updated uh, trade number for, for 2023 that we're sharing right now. 50 million is over the lifetime of the business. 30 million visitors uh, to StockX in uh, a month in 2023. And so we're still seeing tremendous demand on the platform. You spoke about Demana. Which are the top traded and fastest growing brands? Because within Singapore, they're mostly Nike and Pokemon, surprisingly. So tell us more about how that compares against the global ranking and how do you navigate the relationship you have and reliance on these top brands then? Yeah, I'll start with your second question, which is we're fortunate that brands put out incredible products and those products are in uh, in some cases in tremendous demand. And when we find that there's tremendous for demand for product and limited supply, those end up uh, trading on a secondary marketplace like StockX. When there's in other cases, and in that case, it's sometimes at a premium. In other cases, when a brand is restocking items and, and maybe oversupplying, we find that there is an imbalance that drives pricing down, but still provides value, and, and that supply finds its way onto StockX. So we don't have a, a direct relationship with the brand. We're fortunate that it's really the supply and demand um, equation that really drives what appears from brands on StockX. And you know, our top brands in in Singapore, as you mentioned. Jordan brand, Adidas, Pokemon, uh, Supreme, New Balance. And these are also um, pretty analogous to what some of the top brands are around the world. We see uh, Nike and Jordan brand still very popular. But in 2023, we also saw the emergence and really strong growth of brands like Uggs and Crocs in terms of the global uh, brand share. And then really exciting growth coming from brands like New Balance uh, and Asics as well. You mentioned Ux and Crocs. Any reason uh, that you can gather behind that uh, boom in demand or that increase in interest, perhaps? Yeah, you know, I think with Crocs as an example, you see Crocs applying a playbook of collaborating with different artists, different influencers, and doing really unique uh, products. Some of those products sell out very quickly. 
which creates a lot of hype and a lot of demand for products. So Crocs taking a, a little bit of a page out of that playbook that we saw for traditionally from some of the sneaker manufacturers executing on that strategy incredibly well, created tremendous demand. And so Crocs has really emerged as one of the faster growing products on StockX. And I believe there's a collaboration between Crocs and McDonald's as well, right, on, on the line of shoes. Yeah, they've done a lot of collaborations, including that one. So it, that, that really keeps the brand fresh. And it's really what this next generation customer that we serve is really seeking. Hmm. And let's take a look at the wider business environment, Greg. What is the number one trend in the market for? Hard to find fashion, electronics and collectibles. How does it influence the way in which you take the company forward? Yeah, so we focus on current culture. You know, our uh, about 60% of our customers on StockX are under the age of 35. And this is a customer that is not looking to own anything and everything. They're looking to own the right things. And they want things that are not necessarily sitting on retail shelf year after year. They want that item that has you know, special connection to an athlete or an artist that they have a connection to. They want an item that is uh, not on the feet that you're seeing just in massive abundance on the street. That's also a customer that really is looking, especially in this environment, for value. And I think sometimes people think of StockX as only things that sell at a price premium. But today on StockX, you'll find products at incredible value, sometimes below retail when there's more supply than, uh, than demand in the market. And so value and, again, that connection to an artist, an athlete, being inspired by what those artists and athletes are wearing on their feet, on their body, that really drives trends. And so we make sure that our team, our customers are helping us keep a pulse on what are the most important brands and items to have in our catalog, and that we have a business model that allows us to flex from both those lower uh, price point items all the way up to that premium price and making sure that you know it's a win-win proposition for both buyers and sellers. And very quickly, Greg, I believe as StockX opened its first office in Asia and Tokyo back in 2019, you have drop-off locations, permanent drop-off locations set up in Hong Kong as well, which makes sense given the fashion scene seems a little bit more vibrant there. Now, how far is North Asia a gateway to the rest of Asia then? And what will it take for you to set up shop here in Southeast Asia? Yeah, well, it absolutely is a gateway. You know, we talked about earlier, tremendous supply coming out of our APAC operations, Hong Kong, not only the verification center, the drop-off location, but also an area where we have, you know, a number of uh, office-based team members. And so it's a a key market for us and it absolutely is a gateway for us to the broader APAC region and also supply coming out there to customers in Europe and America. And in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Singapore and Southeast Asia, it's an area we continue to keep an eye on. We don't have any plans to announce today, but we're always open to where are there opportunities based on these supply and demand trends. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, strong buying power, obviously, in Southeast Asia. We look at competitive landscape. So while not an immediate opportunity to announce uh, a launch there, it's definitely something that we'll, we're keeping on our radar and keeping a close eye on. Well, certainly on our radar, StockX. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Greg Schwartz, President and Chief Operating Officer at StockX. And uh, Greg, let's set aside the second half of the conversation to talk all about money. We are Money FM after all. Uh, I believe StockX's valuation jumped to 3.8 billion US dollars in April 2021. And that's after a secondary tender offering and an additional issue in Series E1 primary shares. Now, three years down the road, what is valuation like right now? Any estimates and how does it compare against your sales then? 
Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have an updated valuation to share. You know, as a private company, um, we you, the, the number you announced was the latest public uh, valuation. I just say that we continue to be encouraged by a couple of trends. One, just the underlying health of the business, which is an area that we've been really focused on, especially in the current environment where businesses that have a path to profitability uh, are rewarded in addition to growth. And we've made tremendous progress in that area over the past couple of years. And then growth of both categories and geographic expansion uh, and growth to what we talked about earlier, 30 million customers on StockX every month in 2023. So we're really happy with uh, the signs of uh, both that underlying health, the growth in the business, but unfortunately no updated public valuation or estimate to share as a private company. That's something that if one day down the road as a public company, we'd have that obviously more real-time valuation change to be able to share. Hmm. All right, and uh, let's sidetrack to talk about your backers because we are looking at Altimeter Capital, Dragonier Investment Group, DST Global, General Atlantic, GGV as your investors. Hollywood stars Mark Walbert, NNM, they are said to be your backers too. All the big names over here. What is the strategic value brought about by these group of people? I mean, Greg, we're not even talking about money. We're talking beyond money as well. Yeah, when we look for partners, for us, uh, obviously, the money aspect is only one aspect. We're looking for partners that really do add, to your point, strategic value. And I divide that group that you just mentioned into really two buckets. On one hand, we have phenomenal venture capital partners, more traditional investors, and they have been so helpful throughout the journey, helping us navigate all the different challenges that earlier stage companies as they go through growth stage have to navigate um, and building a great team, helping us build a great culture, helping us think about what are the right uh, growth levers to pull on. And so we're very fortunate that we have an incredible um, number of investors and some of those investors represent uh, board members as well. And then you have uh, the, the some of the celebrities that you mentioned. I'd say those celebrities are obviously also great relationships for us and really most impactful early on when there wasn't a lot of awareness of StockX. So being able to partner with an investor like Eminem, uh, early on Eminem allowed us to do a giveaway of some of his most unique sneakers, and that drove tremendous traffic to our site and really helped us establish that initial credibility and awareness. So we're really fortunate to have a great group of people uh, around the table. And uh, and early on, especially those celebrity fact uh, investors were really helpful in helping us build that uh, brand cachet. Right. And uh, I know you mentioned that you guys are still a private company. And uh, one day, one day, if you do go public and we'll, we'll have all those financial numbers coming up. Now, on that topic, there have been murmurs about an IPO. And according to a January 2022 Bloomberg article, signing people familiar with the matter, of course, StockX is working with Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs Group on a planned IPO, which could happen as soon as the first half of 2022. Now, of course, that timeline has been proven wrong with time. But is the firm already in talks for an IPO? When can private investors cash out? Yeah, so I can't comment on any of the market speculation. I'd say that you, I'm sure you follow the market very closely um, and we obviously follow the trends that are happening in public markets. And for the last you know, uh, year or two, it's been the markets have essentially been closed. We've seen very little IPO activity in general. Um, and you know, we're hoping that in the coming years, uh, the markets do open back up. But right now, what we're focused on is what we can control, which is having uh, really strong underlying economics in the business, a very long, uh, strong underlying cost structure in our business. Uh, we are no longer in a day and age where growth is the only thing that's rewarded. We're seeing profitability be highly rewarded. And so we spent a lot of time making sure that we have a very strong 
scalable foundation, and then focused obviously on on growth. And for us, growth is uh, across categories, across international markets, like we touched on. And so, can't speculate on any IPO plans at this point. But at the same time, we're focused on the fundamentals of our business, and we think that if we do that, and we do that well, then we'll have an opportunity to revisit that conversation at some point down the road.、Mm-hmm. And don't mind me asking this. I believe we missed at one point early on in conversation, which is the point about profitability and margins as well. When we look at a transaction fee based on the、uh, transaction value, roughly what is the percentage looking like, and does it differ for rarer items? Yeah. So for sellers, it starts at、uh, a nine and a half percent transaction fee, and then the, the more you sell, the more、um, incentivized you are, the lower the transaction fee、uh, gets. And so it's not really based on the rarity of item, but on the seller side, our transaction fees are pretty standard relative to、uh, other resale marketplaces in the space, and do lower as you sell more volume on the platform. So I think that's just one example of the the fee structure that drives our business.、Mm, and just to sidetrack a little. Just to furbish up the conversation, because right now you mentioned it's not a good time for public markets as well. And on the consumer side of things, it seems that things are not looking too good. We've seen layoffs everywhere. Is demand still very robust at this point in time, though? Yeah, we are seeing really strong demand, and I think that that's something that's so unique about our platform is because pricing is based on supply and demand patterns. When you see scarcity of supply in the ecosystem, you actually see price premiums that are driven up. And in certain environments, that can work really well. You have a, a higher average order value. In the cycle that we've seen over the past 12 months, you've seen actually more supply in the market, sometimes an oversupply, but that actually ends up driving pricing down and creating just a different type of demand—demand demand from a more value-conscious buyer that is seeking a, a, something that's not at a price premium across electronics or apparel or sneakers, but seeing something that is again at or below retail. So, because the way the nature of the model works, depending on what the environment is that we're in economically at a macro level, we found that we're able to find you know really meaningful demand, and we're also not focused on customers in any one country. So, it, you might have one location or one geographic region where the environment is stronger than another. We have customers in more than 200 countries around the world, and so we're continuing to find new opportunities to continue scaling the business. And I would say, in general, really happy with the demand patterns we're seeing.、Mm, it seems that、like、you've really got yourself covered, no matter which way the economy goes.、Uh, before we let you go, Greg, what are your top priorities for 2024? Any future plans, and what can we look forward to here in Asia? Yeah, I touched a little bit on their focus on both global expansion, category expansion. I think one specifically that's just so core to us. Is continued investment in our global supply chain. So at the end of last year, I mentioned we launched this flex fulfillment、uh, engine on StockX, which enables us to get products to buyers faster than ever before. That experience, that express by experience today, is just in the U.S. As we look at the year ahead and look at the, really the next couple of years ahead, we're excited to bring the express by faster shipping experience to more categories, to more regions. And we found that this is an incredible value unlock. Customers care about how quickly they're getting their items. When we get an item、uh, to a customer、uh, faster and faster, they're more likely to return. So we're continuing to make significant investments in our supply chain so that we can make sure that we're 
getting sellers paid out quickly and getting product to buyers faster than ever before. So that's an area that we're really excited about from an investment perspective as we look at the year ahead. Well, I suppose lots to watch in the new year. Thanks a lot, Greg, for joining us. That was Greg Schwartz, President and Chief Operating Officer of StockX. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.